Hello, everyone. Welcome to React Roundup, and I hope you have a very nice new year. This is the podcast where we keep you updated on all things React related. This show is sponsored by Raygun and produced by two companies, Top and Devs and Envoy. Top and Devs is where we create Top and Devs to get top and pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoy, which offers remote design and software development services on a task basis. So clients only pay when tasks are delivered and approved. In today's episode, we will talk about reactivity on JavaScript frameworks. So how are the other frameworks, uh, and also React, how are all the other popular frameworks dealing with reactivity on the front end? My name is Lucas Paganini. I'm your host in the podcast. And joining me in today's episode are the hosts, Chris Fruin. Hi, guys. And Peter Osa. Hello, everyone. All right. So um, I can bring to the table a bit about how Angular is riding that wave of reactivity, especially now with signals. And I think this has been a conversion that, like, it seems that all frameworks are converging into a, some sort of signal-based approach. We saw that, I believe, first in Solid, uh, but then we started seeing it popping up in every other place. It was kind of like when every social media started copying Snapchat. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, basically, that's basically it. Um, but yeah, let's, of course, start with React. How do we currently deal with reactivity? Uh, what is like the signal-based approach in React? Peter? Okay. Yeah, for React, right? Um, I think React uses um the virtual DOM and then uses um hoisting, right? So I don't know if um a lot of us know about hoisting, right? Why um JavaScript? I think the JavaScript concept where um you can actually have access to a certain variable outside the function scope, like right. So well, I think so. React kind of works with that. In this, like maybe when you talk about use states, um, why use state is actually um, maybe specific to a component. Yeah, you recall okay, this is hoisting, and they are set so once a value is changed, and it triggers the virtual DOM, and that's what changes. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of like a rough overview. I think um, that's just the point of um, I think that's just the direction I, I see reactivity and react as so technically. So yeah, yeah, that that's definitely the the status quo right now. Um, have have you seen people doing react reactivity in React in different forms? For example, RxJS is very popular in other frameworks to do with reactivity because it exposes an observable class in which you can subscribe to and listen to events that are emitted and etc. And it also de deals really well with asynchronous events. So RxJS is like a very powerful uh, library for a lot of 
frameworks to deal with reactivity. I know Angular, for example, for a very long time relied solely on RxJS for its reactivity. Now it also has some native ways to do it, which is signals. But up until then, reactivity was just RxJS. So have you guys noticed people dealing with reactivity in other ways within React applications besides just the regular uh, hooks? Yeah, so yeah, I've seen that as well. So I've seen I've seen people actually using RxJS itself for reactivity in React as well. I think I've worked on code bases like that too, where um, we take advantage of the observer pattern and then you listen to events and you listen to um, events and then once an event is triggered, then you can do something. Like, I think that's the only one I can think of as a pattern that I've seen. Or Chris, what do you, have you seen any like anyone you've kind of come across? Yeah, I'm trying to think. You guys will probably know. It's not coming to my head right now. There's also for Redux, there's a library that helps you do async stuff. What is, do you guys know what that, that library is called? But they, that's, that's. Thunk, Thrunk. Is this Saga? Saga, yeah, Saga. Uh, Yeah, 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 Saga, yeah. So I guess that might be a way uh, of of kind of handling and and kind of like pipelining async operations. I never got into it because I, I know people say like once you get it, it's really awesome. But I could never, I just couldn't get into like the yield and the, you need like these special functions and all this stuff. Uh, so I'm I'm still uh, happily living in in hook like use effect land for, for my side effects. Um, I have seen RxJS as well, like like Peter said. Um, otherwise, I don't I don't know I don't I can't think of anything else I've seen. Yeah, I think even RxJS Redux, I think they kind of use that subscriber pattern idea. Where you're dispatching an event and then you're listening to the event as well. I think that is predominantly the patterns of seen in React being used. Mostly, like if it's not without, if it's not outrageous, then there has to be like new state or something. Yeah. So, what do you think, Lucas? Like, have you come across anyone too, as well? Maybe anyone different from this these types. I was actually hoping that you guys would know because I've never seen. But I really wanted to to figure out if there are people doing it differently. Uh, but I guess that's kind of a good thing, right? Like it's the way that people are dealing with reactivity in React is very standardized. So that's actually good. Like boring is good. If everyone was doing it differently, then it would be way harder for us to navigate between one project and the other. So yeah, yeah. Um, Let's go through some of the other frameworks then and talk about how they are dealing with reactivity. And by the way, we at no point we defined clearly what is reactivity, right? We just assumed that the audience would know it. Uh, but just so that we are complete into what we are discussing. So reactivity is you being able to re-render or or I wouldn't say just re-render is really it's anything. It's basically like instead of you having to imperatively 
uh, tell a variable that is like, oh man, I can't think of a good example. Jesus, that my explanation is terrible. Let's go through one very simple example. Let's say you have a variable called full name and that is computed based on the first name and the last name. So every time you change the first name or the last name, you have to recompute the full name variable. And that can lead to issues if you suddenly change the first name or the last name, but then you forget to update the full name variable. With reactivity, you wouldn't have those problems. You, you also wouldn't have some other problems with regards to rendering that information for the user. But uh, at the core, you can tell that a particular, va uh, particular variable can be listened to. And that means that you can trigger something. You can have a callback, for example, to run every time that value changes. And that way, you can solve this problem by listening to changes in the first name and the last name uh, variables and then recomputing the full name when those changes. So that way you don't have to, every time you change first name, remember to change the last name. Just by changing the first name, it will automatically trigger a change and trigger the callbacks that you registered and recompute the the full name variable accordingly. So that's just one simple example. But this problem is just really nasty. Like we are probably uh, not familiar with how painful it was because it's been so long that I've been doing everything reactively. But like six years ago, uh, I remember doing a lot of imperative code and it was just so annoying. For example, a lot of bugs that were like, oh, you updated a variable but forgot to update in this other place. And I was like, yeah, this is so stupid, like stupid um, issues, small issues across the, the code base. And all of that can be fixed with reactivity. But the thing is, there's no universal standard to reactivity in JavaScript. And I mean JavaScript itself, because some other languages do have natives for reactivity, but JavaScript doesn't. There's a proposal to add observables to, to JavaScript, but other than that, uh, which wasn't implemented yet, there's no native way in JavaScript to define how everyone should do with reactivity. It's kind of like how the world was before promises were standardized. So you had libraries implementing promises and then you had other libraries implementing other solutions to deal with asynchronous responses. And this is what we're talking about. Like every framework brought up its own solution and we don't know yet which one's gonna be the winner. So probably in three years or so, we're gonna have some native implementation and then Every framework is going to say, okay, now we're just going to use the native implementation. But until then, everyone's doing it differently. So, yep, now we have a proper introduction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think maybe, maybe I could add in something to reactivity, right? So I think just reactivity as trying to sync updates. So, okay, for example, I made a change. Maybe I have a variable where I named it something, maybe like Peter. And then I decided to just remove it and put Lucas, right? I want the 
the reference of that variable to kind of have to sync with those with the update with the recent update I made, right? So all the activity does does is to ensure that happens, right? So it does it one way or the other. Okay, maybe for example, I make a change to this variable and then it could just maybe use a callback or listening to that change. And then on listening to the change, it kind of reflects it to all other instances of that variable. Or it could what many, many, many framework do, re-render the whole um right, cause a render to the DOM and just make it to just just like more of like a, a very gigantic reload so that everything gets updated, right? Just, just so I think that's just how you could see it, just to sync updates with, just syncing data updates to ensure that, okay, whatever change you make in a new, whatever new change, changes you make, it's always going to be reflected in wherever it's going, um, the variable or stuff is referenced, right? So I think that's just it. Or oh, Chris, do you have anything to add to the activity? Yeah, um, I think it also comes down to I mean, Lucas mentioned how a lot of frameworks are kind of going to this pattern, and it, it comes down to this concept of of what's declarative and what's imperative, right? So there's there's a nice uh, link, a link at the end of the show, but uh, like Facebook was talking about why they kind of went to this reactive pattern anyway. Like Lucas mentioned, like imagine, okay, maybe for just a full name, and you have to add the last name. Okay, that works fine if you have to put an if statement and like hard code it. Like, is this different? Then I change it. But as soon as you have like five, 10, you know, any modern application with hundreds of things that can potentially change, and each of those things maybe change only one or two of the other state variables, it becomes, I mean, imperative programming is kind of out of the question, at least on the front end. Um, so I think all the all these frameworks, you know, over time have recognized this, and and that's kind of the pattern it's it's that they're all moving to. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's that's all I have. Yeah. Okay. So beyond the introduction, all right. So let's go through how those other frameworks are dealing with that. So. Um, I can bring a bit about how Angular is dealing with that. I mentioned it a, a couple of times, but um, I'm really curious to know what you guys know about how other frameworks are, do- are dealing with that. Like, I kind of know from theory how Solid deals with that, but I got to say, like, I never really built anything with Solid, like, for real. So I can't really speak much about it. Uh, but which frameworks did you guys experience? And you can talk about how they're dealing with reactivity. So, Peter? Okay, yeah. So I think for reactivity, one that I kind of know about was React. And I think I've worked with that of Vue. I think the difference is that for Vue, Vue uses um, what we call uh, proxy objects. And I, I think proxy object is kind of like a new um, concept, right? Where um, with a proxy object, you can kind of set or get some variables. So I think Vue kind of combined media reactivity with proxy object. So most of the time when you're doing reactive states with Vue, you're kind of using like a proxy, proxy object reference, right? So once it changes, then it then triggers a change to the original object you wanted to change. Yeah, I think that's how it works for, for Vue. Then React, I think React on this kind of, you use 
um, hoisting with the virtual dome, customer renders, still kind of event-based, right? Dealing with events. I, I made this change and then it will trigger. So it's, it, there's, there's some, I'm listening to the changes made to the state and then it causes a render. Yeah, I think apart from that, then with signals, um, yeah, I don't really have like a very good grasp on signal. Like you said, I'm just on the same boat as you as well. It's theory, right? It's just a theoretical um, knowledge. But then I think Angular's phone is kind of quite, yeah, for reactive um, signals for Angular, I'm still, I'm still not, I've still not gotten the end of it yet. But then I think for RxJS, because I've kind of worked with more, um, with Angular code basis use that uses the RxJS pattern. Yeah, I think that is still event-based, right? You're listening to an event and then you're listening to changes on a variable. And once that happens, you just broadcast it to other instances and then update, right? So I think that's technically the ones I've worked with. Oh, Chris, do you have an idea of anyone, like any framework, how they work with their activity, kind of? Yeah, I can talk about uh, what I mentioned briefly as we were talking before the show. Uh, I was looking into these this concept of runes in, in Svelte. Um, so they also have kind of moved or, or added rather, I think in Svelte 3 or whatever version they're on now, they have just here this like, their their way of letting Svelte know that it's a reactive variable is this dollar sign state. So to me, it's, it's basically like a, a stealing use state. Uh, and it's ironic. It's exactly what I was just talking about that. I promise I didn't read this before the before what I was saying before about like complex apps, because they say like, OK, at first glance, I'm reading directly from their documentation says this this looks like a step back. Shouldn't we just use let count and, and automatically make it reactive? And they say, well, no, the reality is that applications grow in complexity, figuring out which values are reactive and which aren't can get tricky. So they now have moved where they want you to specifically state, in this, in this case, it's count, yeah, that count is with this dollar sign state, and we want that to be reactive in our in our component. So yeah, that's that's all I have. I, I too, uh, like you guys, I'm, I'm guilty of, of only knowing React here on the React podcast. So I, I don't have uh, much experience with, with, uh, with many other front-end frameworks. I think one thing that you touched that is kind of important is this convention about using a dollar sign as a postfix on reactive values. It's not enforced everywhere, but I've seen a lot of different frameworks having developers adopting this convention. And I think it really helps to make it clear that the variable is indeed uh, reactive. So. In Angular, this hasn't catched yet, just because it already catched for observables. Like we always, in Angular, we got used to using dollar sign at the end for observables. But now that we also have signals, we don't want to use it for signals because people are going to think that it's an observable. Like they're both reactive, but they need to be consumed in different ways. Uh, so with Angular, people are not adding a dollar sign at the end. But they, uh, it's still not a problem because we have to call the value. Like a signal in Angular is a function. You literally call it. So you have, for example, uh, first name. You would have first name, open and close parentheses. You're actually calling the variable. And that returns its, uh, its value. And it also creates a connection between 
the thing that is rendering it and the signal itself. So every time that the signal changes, Angular already knows that it needs to re-render that particular part of the, of the, the UI. Uh, or even the within TypeScript code itself. If you have, if you call like the computed, uh, Angular has a computed function, and then this computed function takes a callback. Uh, so imagine that you write computed, and then you call it, and you pass a callback. Within this callback, you can just use signals as normal, and Angular will automatically understand that this function depends on those signals. So when they change, that function will automatically uh, be triggered. So it's it's very smart, which is a bit different from the explicitliness of React effects, where you need to explicitly say like, hey, uh, run this effect when those values change. You know, kind of like they are keys. And if the key change, then you, you rerun this. Uh, Angular does that automatically. So I think that solves a lot of issues because with React, you can just forget to add. I've seen like nasty bugs that took me a while to figure out what it was. And it was just person forgot to add a, a variable into the effects array of dependencies. So it's really nice that we don't have this problem with Angular. Some people complained at the beginning because they were accustomed to how React does it, and they were like, oh, yeah, but you're not being explicit. Like, This is a bit too magical. But it should be. <laughs> a framework should provide some level of magic. Otherwise, why are you using it if you're going to type a lot of boilerplate all the time? Uh, so, yeah, that's basically how this is being handled on Angular, on the Angular side. I do really like another convention, which is use as a prefix. So React standardized that with hooks. So every time you declare a hook is like use something. And I'm trying to push this convention for Angular too, because Angular also has this concept of uh, functions that can be injected because you can just use the inject function internally within the function. And then that creates a problem because um, just to give you a bit of context without, be, without this becoming super complex, the inject function in Angular can only be called if you are at a component constructor or like it, it can only be called within an injection context. But to explain what is an injection context would be too complex. So let's just imagine that you can only call it in the component constructor, okay? So you can only call it when the component is being constructed, all right? So what the problem is, if you call a function that internally calls, calls this inject function, and you don't know that this function calls the inject function internally, then you don't know that you can only call it in the constructor. And you mm -hmm. might call it at a later point at which it will not have the injection context, and then it's going to fail. So what I'm trying to push forward as a convention is to always prefix those functions with use. And then if the function starts with use, you already know that you can only use it 
if you are within an injection context. Otherwise, it's just going to fail. So those two conventions are really helpful. The dollar sign at the end and the use prefix. Yeah, I think I think you bring up a good point there with I think even with these kind of these whatever you want to call it, magic or syntactic sugar, even with reactivity, you always I mean, we're always doing this as software engineers, but you're always fighting against complexity. You mentioned you've you've seen some nasty uh, bugs and, and I've also seen some as well. And also just the hooks themselves can get really nasty and messy, right? Because, uh, you know, you have maybe you have uh, dozens of dependencies and, and maybe one is not even used. Um, so I think, I think, uh, what, what is still important, probably regardless of framework. Um, but I know it's something react pushes is, is like your own, how you compose the hooks themselves. So, and I've, I've been guilty of that. I've looked at some of my hooks and I thought, oh, okay, actually, you know, these, I'm kind of mixing, you know, I'm, I'm mixing reactivity. Again, it's this kind of disadvantage that React is, disadvantage and advantage that React is so easy to write. Sometimes you end up just quickly putting together a hook and, and, and you get way too many dependencies and whatever. But if you take a step back and you look at, you know, the composition uh, of your hooks, okay, this is probably more React advice, but there's probably simplifications that you can make, but but you talking about these these things in in Angular makes me wonder if now there will be like almost like a a third generation in React. So like going from you know we had the class components, now we have hooks. I wonder if or maybe you know maybe it, it is by design they should be explicit, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of other abstraction layer where somehow you know it would save so many beginners from you know we all have seen that infinite rendering thing right where it's just as simple as leaving out that array and then you just you're just infinitely rendering your, your components wow what's going on so i wonder if if there's something on the horizon uh would be quite interesting but yeah i just just wanted to add that in i don't know i don't know where else <laughs> where we want to go from there i don't know if, if peter if you had some comments too uh, yeah, like yeah, well, I agree with Lucas. Right? So they just they need to be a way for we to actually know what like since yeah, since reactivity looks like magic to a lot of like we need to know how to kind of differentiate oh, is this a reactive variable or this dot to avoid a lot of clutter and so many kind of boilerplate and confusing code. Yeah, most of the time we get that a lot in many code bases where kind of confused how like especially in angular like i think lucas gave the example where i've actually seen a code base whereby observables are not even with dollar sign at the back so i'm just literally in confusion like whoa how do i know this like whoa and yeah so i think the conversion is very important just to know how like what it is right it's kind of very important for identification right and yeah i think Overall, yeah, I think that's actually very important. And I think one thing we need to know about reactivity is that um, for, for us to kind of actually work with, work with reactivity better, I feel we need to know the underlying principle behind reactivity in any framework we're using, right? So that's why most of the time, I, I usually try to just look at their underlying principle. Okay, yeah, I know for React, oh, is, is it working with um, one JavaScript concept that Maybe something new. Okay, like I, I gave an illustration in the beginning for Vue, whereby we um, view, use use kind of proxy objects and kind of using proxy objects and then kind of triggering like an um, observer pattern with it. Kind of, 
I think Signal's work with that, with that similarly as well. I think it's kind of Signal also with Signal work, but I've not really kind of like extensively read, read about it. So kind of, I don't really have much. But I think it's very much important even for, for React, for React based on every form of JavaScript developer to also know the principle of reactivity in those frameworks. For example, you gave an example of use effect, and then I think I think Damabamov um the reacting gave a setting. I think they dropped a post on the React. Um, dog, right? Like, why we shouldn't kind of use them? Um, why we might not need a use effect? I think I'll drop the link on, on the um. I think I've dropped it on the chat, right? So you, you might not need a use effect for certain things we are trying to kind of use this effect and then adding some dependency, um, adding some values in the dependency array and so on. So I think one thing we need to just know is the underlying principle of reactivity of this framework and how to use them. Kind of, I think that's kind of very important. So, um, Chris, what do you think there are like maybe pitfalls or issues that a lot of people face when using reactivity? Maybe especially in React or any framework you work with as well. Yeah, I, I think it comes with with those kind of special magic. I mean, usually with magic, you pay for for special rules. So I know React. I'm sure it's still somewhere in their docs. Um, they have like that rules of hooks page, right? So, I mean, you you get huge advantages, but there's stuff you just can't do. Like you can't put a hook within a hook. That's like one rule. Um, and also that what, what you were mentioning, Peter, is what came to mind is also how you update even just a simple state variable with in React, right? So you're, I'm sure it's similar in most frameworks, but in React, you you typically want a fresh object, right? You're not supposed to mutate you're not supposed to append directly to an array, for example. The fix is easy, right? You 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 create a new array and a new array as you set the state. Um, so yeah, small things like that. But it's a really good point that you need to whatever framework it is, and unfortunately, they're usually framework specific. But you should know those those details to avoid confusing confusing bugs. And that's probably like what Lucas mentioned in in. Angular, apparently this inject, unfortunately I can't speak much more to it, but it seems like that's a rule. Like you can only use certain things in, in certain contexts. So yeah, that's what that's what as well. So Lucas, speaking of like I, I think I've like a general like I don't say it's a confusion or I think it's more like a debate because I've had I kind of had with a lot of develop like React this before. Like the aspect of do you think I think it's based on reactivity as well. Do you think set state or use state? Is asynchronous or synchronous? Yeah, like, do you have any answer for that? Like, because I, I kind of get that a lot on reactivity. I think so many people argue that, oh, because of the way you state works, right? It's react, it's kind of synchronous. Some say it's asynchronous. So, what do you think, like, from working with React, at least? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first, like, that's, that's a really good question. And this is not even just specific to React. Um, like other frameworks also also get into this, this debate. And basically the thing here is at one point, you when you think of code being synchronous, you think that like you call it, you call the function, and everything that you're doing right now just stops. And then it goes run that function and then it comes back and runs the rest of your code. 
That's what we generally think about when we say the code is synchronous. But the thing is, when we're talking about reactivity, then people started giving different meanings to, to sync and async. Because you can technically have a, a synchronous refresh or an asynchronous refresh. And if you, if you think too much about it, you're just going to go mad because it doesn't really make that much sense. Like, if, if you stop to think about it, like, everything that you're executing is going to be executed. And this other thing that you called is only going to be executed afterwards. So that's kind of like the definition of asynchronous, right? So what, why, why are we debating if it is synchronous or not? But the question, I think, is less about it being synchronous or not, but more about at which point does the JavaScript runtime uh, decide to execute that callback? Because there are many things that happen within those idle moments in which your code is quote-unquote, not running. Like, there's always something running, right? The, the browser is running. Even if your code itself is not running, there are a lot of listeners, there are a lot of, of other stuff going on. The user like, is scrolling through the application. So, so something is clearly running, but your code is not running anymore. So what's going on is that the browser has stages and basically, like, it's going to execute your code and while it is synchronously executing your code, it can't repaint the page. But once your code stops, then it will repaint the page, it will refresh, and then it will uh, it might like trigger another code that you have. Like maybe it's gonna trigger an event that you have, or you're listening to uh, request animation frame, something like that. Now when we talk about hooks being synchronous or not, this is what we're referring to. It's like, okay, of course, when you call set value, when you call set state, the rest of your component render code is gonna finish running before React re-renders or re-triggers your component with the new, uh, with the new value. But when is React going to trigger this re-render? That's the question. And what a lot of people are calling synchronous is when the code is re-rendered before the browser actually has a chance to render. So it's kind of like the framework triggers this recalculation of the UI before the browser has time to really render the UI. And that's kind of like being called as synchronous. Uh, and when it waits for the next tick or the next, um, I don't know if tick is the right technical way to call it, uh, but there is like the right name to, to call the, the next time that the browser is going to do something. Uh, then we're calling it asynchronous, which is what RxJS by default does. But you can also configure RxJS to run uh, in an immediate way. So yeah, all this context to say, I think they're both asynchronous ways 
And we just need to stop calling it sync because it's just super confusing to everyone. So we should just make it clear that it is asynchronous, but uh, it either happens at this point of the browser events or it happens at this other point. So we got to figure out another way to refer to that. Yeah, my only comment there, I think I would have to look into the, at least from React, like the use state. It's super, I mean, you have to, like at the end of the day, it's JavaScript is single threaded, right? So I think even, yeah, looking into the source code of use state, you would assume there's like a some sort of queue. But yeah, like you said, like, you know, there could be other things going on. And then it really comes down to, probably not even react or any framework but like what what the the javascript engine wants to do right and what thinks is most efficient right i mean yeah <laughs> so yeah you're probably right you 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 can there's probably tricks where or there's there's ways you can force things or tr- try to get them to be as sync or as async as possible but at the end of the day i think if you if you really get into complexity you're kind of victim to yeah just the the uh, the javascript engine optim trying to optimize as best it can uh not to speak about web workers or things like that but that's <laughs> we can do for another episode um okay i think that was enough talk about reactivity uh so let's start wrapping up unless chris if you have anything you'd like to mention before we start wrapping up no? no. Okay. All right. So before we we officially stop, let's do quick promos. So I'm just gonna plug Unvoid. So as I as mentioned in the beginning, Unvoid is a design and software development company. Uh, you can hire Unvoid professionals to work for a company remotely. And the interesting thing about Unvoid in comparison to other companies that provide the same services is that you have the option to hire on a task-based manner. So what that means is you only pay when tasks are delivered. Sure, that's you've seen that thus far, but only when they are delivered and approved. So if they are delivered, but they're not up to the standards of your company, then you can just keep requesting changes until it is up to your standards. And you're only going to pay once you really approve it. So that's a major differentiator. And it makes companies much safer to outsource their parts of their design and development teams, knowing that they're not going to lose any quality by doing so. So yeah, if you're interested in that, is unvoid.com, unvoid.com. So yeah, how about you, Chris? I think I'm just gonna promo the the link I mentioned to this the really nice presentation by uh, Facebook. It goes into quite a few topics, a little bit what we talked about today um, on reactivity, of course, and also imperative versus declarative, and also into the kind of I think what eventually became Redux, this concept of the flux pattern, basically all the problems they ran into with growing complexity in their apps and how they, they kind of found all these patterns and, and uh, why they still use them today on the front end. So really, really cool video. They have like three or four different devs talk about, you know, certain parts of, of what, what they ran into uh, throughout their projects. Nice. 
Nice. How about you, Peter? Okay. Yeah. So I have like a, an MDN link I'll paste on the chat, right? About like hoisting. So I think most of the time, I feel um, one of the main concepts about um, how the state, the reactive, has, how reactive state works with the reaction kind of works with hoisting, right? So I think it's a concept that's kind of fairly new and most people don't have an idea of it. Kind of, we use it kind of, but you actually don't know like oh, that we use it and this is how it works and this is how React kind of works with state with, right? Kind of. So I think I just do, I will just drop a link on hoisting. And then also there's still the link of, yeah, I dropped earlier about you might not need use effects. So most of the time we just kind of use use effects for everything. So we may really not need use effects. I think those are the two links I have kind of, yeah. Okay. And we put them into the comments section. So if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, LinkedIn, then you will be able to see those links in the comment section. If not, they're probably in the show notes. So, yeah. Um, okay. I don't think I have anything else to contribute to this discussion. So, guys, thank you so much. Uh, it was good for us to have a podcast again because for the last few weeks it was really hard for us to, to find time like end of the year things like that so it's good to be back good to have you guys back so yeah happy new year for everyone and i'll see you in the next one <laughs>